See, I told you I didn't want to get heated, but I, I can't understand why your cornerstones aren't locked up. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Mitts and Twigs podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mitts, with me as always. Twigs, how you doing, pal? Doing well. I'm doing ready. Oh, frick. <sighs> you know, ah. no edits, no cuts. We keep doing it real. Well. It's That's all a, in there. It's, you know what? We did a live episode. What was it? Last week. So uh, feeling a little rusty here under the pressure of the bright lights and the fame that's coming, to, you know, just around the corner. But no, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. I'm summer vacay mode. Love an NHL off season, and yeah, let's uh, let's uh, start this sexy show. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I, I think it was a nice little little bit of a break, a little bit of a preve. We had the intermittent schedule the last couple of weeks with vacation, and then the live episode, and just taking it a bit easy. Uh, I think we're going to need it because the NHL offseason is going to be a little jam-packed, a little more condensed than normal. Like, we've got the draft coming up. Uh, we've got uh, free agency right after that. That's going to be just weeks of speculation right there. And then camps open up. And then, the, then you know, rubber hits the road. We got, we're going to be go time right there. We're going to be naming the uh, Stanley Cup champion uh, of 22-23, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, oops, spoiler. Uh but let's uh, let's dial it back. Let's dial it back and focus on here and now. First and foremost, the 2021-22 champions. Uh, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. Had a an excellent victory. Really, uh, I mean, throughout the entire run, it looked like they were on their way to doing what they eventually did, which was just to run roughshod over pretty much everybody on the way to to being the uh, the Lightning in six. Yeah, yeah, like Joe Biden said, yeah, comeback story of the centuries. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> team that only loses four four times all playoffs. <laughs> what a comeback story. Yeah. Yeah, they lost a game and they came back yeah. and won. Yeah. Uh so many, so many. Yeah. Old Joe. Old Joe. He uh yeah, let's not go down that path. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so sorry for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Never still waiting on that really true, uh, you know, actual Stanley Cup uh, win. I mean, they got they, they stole that one from, from your guys uh, so so many years ago uh, that when the Flames were robbed, uh, they had those you know couple of asterisk titles, which you know they still their names are still on there. I'm sure somewhere they'll probably be taken off shortly though for the real real winners uh the colorado avalanche but uh yeah they're going through an interesting process we'll talk about that a little bit later on probably this episode and ongoing um but yeah what a what a playoff run uh lots of great matchups lots of really exciting stuff i feel like there weren't too many wild surprises although we i'm sure we talked about some things along the way but uh yeah no i think things kind of fell for the most part the way that you know coin tosses that, that went the wrong way sort of at most you know yeah I, I think this playoffs was was everything we needed the last two years we had like this in, way more cinderella stories montreal uh dallas two years ago uh, a lot of upsets like columbus over um toronto all those right over the last couple of years and uh this one felt like every round we had best on best like it was like edmonton calgary it was colorado st louis it was like all the way jam-packed. And that's what happens when Tampa actually has to face somebody with a little bit of skill and a little bit of talent. They come up empty-handed, you know? We had John Cooper pulling his lawyer skills with his little bit of crying about the refs and, and all that. But, yeah, it was an amazing playoffs. Um, a little selfish of myself. I got to be there for the Game 7 uh, win Calgary did over Dallas. That was pretty remarkable. Got to see Johnny end that. So that was probably my highlight of the of the playoffs. I'm already a little touchy on Johnny right now. That sounds awful, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, sensitive. 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 That would be but, it. Yeah, about, but yeah. Uh, no, it was a great playoffs. I, I loved every moment of it. We. Uh, yeah. What's crazy is the second best team you could probably say in all the playoffs was probably, and I hate to say this, is St. Louis and Tampa. They both took Colorado 
gave them two losses each. So other than yeah. that, it was a pretty easy sweep for them. Yeah, I'll take the I'll take that uh, victory wherever I can get it. Uh, and, and just for uh, those of you that are paying close attention at home, uh, what Tyler meant was Columbus over Tampa, not Columbus over Toronto, I believe, uh, as an upset oh, right. a few years ago. Oh but, yeah, sorry, sorry, my bad, everybody. Sorry, right. that's the plug in there really early. Toronto's had their own uh, fair share of heartbreaks. We don't need to uh, add on to that pile. But hey, as we said, we're a little bit rusty. It's been a little bit. Uh, we appreciate your patience and your attention while we go through this. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, and uh, we talked about this beforehand, uh, <laughs> is the way that I labeled uh, the topics, but the NHL awards. So uh, NHL awards have uh, mostly been handed out. Uh, some, some winners that I think were kind of obvious uh, not to say they weren't deserving in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Moritz Sider getting Rookie of the Year and just running away with the first overall choices on that. You know, for anybody not totally sure, um, people when the, the voters get a chance, they rank their top five. And so Sider had the most, uh, well, he had almost all of the first overall votes. So he just locked that up. Followed by Zegris, who had most of the second round votes, and then Michael Bunting, the 48-year-old rookie. Uh, Michael Bunting, who had a heck of a season, deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, <laughs> rounding at the top three. Nothing too controversial there for, for, for Calder, for Rookie of the Year, I'd say. I was actually shocked by some of the takes on Twitter that were leaning more on Zegris. I thought Zegris had a heck of a year. I just don't think – it's very rare to see a defenseman come in the NHL, especially as a rookie, and dominate the way Snyder did. Mm -hmm. And I think he was the runaway. Um, I would have voted Snyder. Sadly, I'm not that high in the ranks of uh, NHL writers or anything like that. And I didn't get a vote, but yeah, I'm on my way. I'm on my, we're on our way. Yeah. Soon, my friend, I've got some really interesting uh, reforms for the voting that we're going to talk about uh, shortly after this, that I think is going to get us in. I think (laughs) that they're going to see, they're going to be like, this is, this is the type of uh, analytical and reflective, uh, mindset that we need in here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I get the, we got the Norris Trophy, Kale McCarr, um, edging out Roman Yossi, really. Uh, these votes were calculated, were, were cast before the playoffs. So there's, there's no concern there, uh, but it just adds to just what a year for Kale McCarr. Uh, guy's got more trophies than he knows what to do with already. Um, Rounding out that top three, Victor had been, um, you know, getting an honorable mention, really kind of locking up the third best, third, uh, you know, ranked third best votes uh, overall there. So, yeah, Makar, Yossi, Hedman. I mean, I think that kind of makes sense. I think, and then after that, of course, you know, it's anybody's game. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on there? Uh, no, again, I thought. Um... If I were to, were to have voted, I probably would have voted Yossi first. And I think Yossi maybe – did. do you have the numbers in front of you at, the, right, mm-hmm. at this moment? Did he have more first-place votes? He had six more first-place votes, yeah. 98 to 92. Yeah. Uh, Mac- where Makar, I think, really got the edge was he had 98 second-place votes to Yossi's 76. Yeah. Uh, so that's what got him. And ended up, Makar ended up with uh, points because it's you know, because it's a great yeah. system, it's point system, 1631 to Yossi's 1606. Um, to put some, put some perspective, Moritz Sider uh, won with 1853 over Zegris's 1191. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the Norris pretty close. Uh, <laughs> the Calder, not so much, uh, but I don't, I've won A-OK with, with that. Yeah, I, I think, I think there was, it was only really a two-headed race, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. Yossi, who was remarkable this year for a team that everybody was like, Nashville's going nowhere, write them off. There's kind of be mediocre bottom team. And Yossi and Saros basically carried them. Um, and then you had Kale McCarr. This kid is something special. He, next year, like everybody said, and this is where voting kind of scares me because right now the lobbying has already happened. Hey, Kale McCarr for heart next year before a game has already even pl- been played, right? Um and you heard it the whole last round of the playoffs. Elliot Friedman is like the leader of that wagon. And I get it. Like Kale McCarr is something special. Like watching, and I watched almost every Colorado game. 
it's not McKinnon then McCarr. It's a hundred percent McCarr then McKinnon then Ranton and Landeskog, right? The leader of that ship, in my mind, is from the back end, Kale McCarr, and he's got a hell of a partner with him, Devon Taves too. But yeah, you could go either way there. I just would have put Yossi first. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, either one of those guys. I think they both had amazing years. Um, yeah, no, full credit. I think for me, where things get a little bit funny yeah uh is with the heart trophy voting and now austin matthews won and really won by a landslide and listeners of the pod will know that he was one of our favorites to win it uh justerkin who we said should have been right there uh finished third unsurprisingly uh hockey writers seemed to really cut him down based on that uh goaltending aspect Connor mcdavid finishing in second uh not a close second but a very clear second that wasn't uh, close between uh, either one, two, or three. Uh, preferences aside, I don't think you can do any go wrong with saying Matthews, McDavid, and Shesterkin. And congratulations to Austin Matthews for winning that. That was a just fantastic year on his part. Um, the best year ever by an American-born player. Is that fair to say? I mean, I I think in certain contexts, I know that uh, I think uh, Brett Hall has scored more goals, but. I mean, that was a time when everybody scored 60 goals a year and uh, or at least more closer to that um, 60, 60, 61 goals. I think it was this year is uh, right now in today's game is, is phenomenal and, yeah. and unbelievable. So, um, yeah, Johnny Goudreau coming in at four totally makes sense. Had some amazing numbers, some numbers that any team would, would kill to have on their roster. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a personal friend of mine, Jonathan Huberdeau, Rounded out the fifth. Yossi's in there. Makar's got some votes in there. All that, fair enough. What I really want to do, and the, the, the transparency that I really want to bring to this, is of the voters, four, four voters ranked Austin Matthews as their fifth overall for Hart. If you don't think that Austin Matthews is the most valuable player, fair enough. Connor McDavid, Igor Shesterkin, Johnny Gaudreau. I think they're right there. Four people need to sit in front of the rest of the class and explain how they think that Austin Matthews is at best this past season, the fifth best player, in the, like the most valuable player in the league. To me. Do you know who they had ahead of him? No. I just, I'm just looking at the votes that he received, and yeah. he received four fifth-place votes. Which That's crazy. We're not, we're not Toronto supporters here. Let, let's, let's just remind everybody who, who's listened or new listeners. We, we bag on them for sport, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's be real. If you are a hockey fan uh, uh, and you're, you're looking at it from a, a purely you know, fair standpoint, having him as fifth is silly because it means some, it means you've, you've somehow squeezed in an extra person in there above him that to me, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really, it doesn't really jive. I don't understand that. I, maybe they'd have a great explanation, but that's where I think that that would be really fun. Even if it's behind closed doors that they have to go up there and explain to everybody else why they put him fifth, just so that everybody else can then say, you know what? Fair enough. You might not deserve the chance to vote on this next year. Or ever again. Yeah, I think so. I thought, um, I think it was Frank Saravelli. I think he was the one that posted all, like, who everybody voted for when the award show, like, right after following the award show. And I think that's awesome. Like, I think you need to be as transparent as possible, right? Because Tuka Rask somehow got a Vesna vote, which makes no sense, right? Like, the guy played, what, how many games? Um, so, like, maybe take that guy's voting away. But, uh, I know there was some, like, I was looking at Jeff Merrick's, he had Kirill Kaprizov against, like, over Johnny Gaudreau, who just put up, like, the most five-on-five five points since the 90s, which was mm-hmm. just crazy to me. They're, they're like, these these people watch more hockey than probably we do or, or anything like that, so I'm sure they have a reason behind it. But to me, I'm like, man, it just doesn't make sense. And to have Austin Matthews ranked fifth, makes no sense like there there isn't even an argument to be made and i hate toronto media and i hate talking about the maple leaves all the time but that is ludicrous and ridiculous and um 
it's something that you would do, right? Like you would, you would be super biased and put all four blues in front of them and then put the real winners. But yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, that's it. And of course, people are allowed to have their opinions and dissenting uh, outlooks. But that's why I think like it's not like you voted for him as fifth or you vote for him at all. You're gone. It's like, no, let's just let's understand. Like, it, do you have a an actual argument that is like, oh, that's an interesting point. I don't agree, but that's a well thought out point. Or are you just some weirdo that votes for Tuka Rask who like like that person 100 percent? I like <laughs> there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of people that would like to, that, that, you know, that earn this opportunity and these players and the people involved do a lot to get this recognition. You should not be treating it as lols. You know, I look at Jason Robertson finishing 13th because he got three fifth place votes. And I'm sorry, like, do his parents get a vote? Like, is that who's, is it, is it like, or is it just some local Dallas beat writer who doesn't, watch any other teams and doesn't understand that there's so many other players that are ahead of him. Jason Robinson had a wonderful year. Wonderful. I don't see how you can put him in the same category as Austin Matthews, Connor Rick David, Igor Shesterkin, and Johnny Gaudreau, Hudo, Yossi, Kaprizov, Makar, Dreisaitl. Like, come on. How is he remotely in that conversation? And that's, that's, the, the Matthews is fifth is like a bit of a funny, like we need to give those guys a hard time, but anybody that put Robertson on there, um, I mean, come on, like that's, I don't think we're watching the same game or you're not watching nearly enough hockey uh, for you to, to say that he was the fifth most valuable player in the league. Not enough of a variety of hockey. Hey, uh, Chris Tanev got a fifth place vote and everybody thought it was a Calgary Flames media member that voted. And no, it was actually a Vancouver Canucks media member who voted that. Yeah. So there's a little bias still, right? Because Tanev was over yeah. there. But uh, Tanev, yeah. Tanev had a coffee in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> and man, wait a second. Jason Robinson had his 13th and JT Miller's behind him and Matthew Kachuk? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my Al gosh. He got Alexander like, Alexander Barkov got yeah. Only got two votes. And the only reason he's ahead of Robertson is because one of them was fourth. Barkov is both a superior player to Robertson and a more impactful player for his team. And he played on a more successful team. And yet they're one point apart because more people included Jason Robertson on their ballot. And that's it. Those, not that those people should just be flat out removed from their ability to do so, but let's have some understanding. Let's have some some justification, if not if not to the, the general population, because most of us have no business and no idea what we're doing, anyways. But at least to the other writers, the hockey body that gives these opportunities, because you know, it's like if you're a terrible driver, you should have to justify your bad driving at some point. And have to be certified again, yeah. you know. Leon Drysaddle having less points than Krill Kaprizov is uh, that's yeah. a spicy that's a spicy moment for this NHL award. That that just makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I I, I think any of these players other than Jason Robinson are corner are cornerstone players, right? Like they just are. Yeah. No disrespect to Jason. Um, I, well, he was well, he actually wasn't really anywhere in the playoff series but still um wasn't even the best player on his team in the playoffs wasn't even the top wasn't two. even the best player on his team in the regular season the glue to that line is joe pavelski who's almost 40 right like yeah. and he plays with rope hints and he like that's a solid line yeah i, I you could to me you he, could argue that, that that pavelski was so important to that team he should he deserved votes. he deserved uh, three votes. Yeah, yeah, like you could argue fair. that. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but uh, you know, ho hopefully for Jason Robertson's sake, uh, next year he so has like such that. a good year that yeah. we're both just here, like, wow, okay, I'm hoping nobody listens to that episode. Hey. Uh, for his own sake, I mean, it worked to Jonathan Huberdo and all my all my hate on Huberdo. He had the best year of his life. Yeah, no kidding. We we didn't make we made fun of Austin Matthews a ton. Uh, the Oilers a ton. Yeah. I told you New York never stood a chance of like winning the division, let alone make the playoffs. Look at all these guys, all these teams 
taking that, pull it, putting it on the bulletin board and achieving new levels. So I, we don't do it for all those accolades. We don't do it so that everybody in the hockey community gets to thank you for the motivation, for the understanding, for that insight. We don't do it for that. We do it for fun. We do it for you, for the entertains. They must hear our rants. Like They must hear our rants. Obviously, the, yeah. the results are irrefutable. Yeah, just proofs in the pudding, right? You know. I mean, if we needed any more evidence that I speak directly to the Florida fan base <laughs> and management, then if you need any more proof, then here it is: the Jack Adams-nominated coach <laughs> no. is gone because he didn't do. All he did was not crash in the regular season. That's it what he did. Skill. He. It doesn't take skill. Hey, to Mike Yo has had how happen. many kicks in the can, and he can't even like he can't stop anything from crashing. Yeah, let's, but let's Mike Yo is a special. A <laughs> I I'm not saying Burnett's a worse coach than Mike Yo. I think Burnett is potentially. Well, I shouldn't even say this. There's it's no evidence for me coach. to suspect that he could be a great coach. He's it was his dead. first opportunity. Uh, he was thrown into a a tough situation in terms of taking over at that point in the season, mm -hmm. but they were already flying. Mm -hmm. He was given the keys to a car, to a Ferrari and told don't crash. And he didn't, at least in the regular season. But then when, you know, things are a little more complicated, he, they, they lost, they lost to a great team. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Great but team. Uh, it, to me, it just, it, it's, you know, more evidence that, 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 that Jack Adams voting was for him was just. I'm I'm glad Florida replaced him with a proven winner, somebody who's got a couple. Oh, oh wait, wait, who'd they replace him with? <laughs> oh, Paul Maurice. How many cups? Our, he our dog, our dog, Paul Maurice. Oh wait, zero. Oh, good, good, good. Didn't hasn't he? No. Oh, never won. He had cup. some good runs. He had some good runs though. <laughs> Great runs. Great runs. Glad they replaced him with a winner. Yeah. And let's give a lot of credit to Paul Reese, who Oh, he got out of that dumpster enough, fire. Had quit. enough of Winnipeg. Yeah. Got out, cut ties. And uh now he's in Florida, which oh. I mean weather and hockey talent, you just went from Yeah. The poorhouse to the penthouse. Did he ever have a team like this in Winnipeg? No. Oh. Like, what's Barkov, top five center in this league? Easily? Yeah. Well, unless you're looking at the heart votes, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I guess we, we, why don't we just jump into the coaching uh, while we're there? Sure. Um, because I wanted to, I, th I think the Paul Maurice one is really interesting, and we could talk about that. But what I really want to know yeah. from you yeah. is who is the, most let me make sure I word this properly because I wrote this on a purpose. Who's gonna be the most impactful coaching move, or which was the most impactful coaching move moving forward? So, in a positive light, and who's going to bleep the bed? I think, um, the most impactful, and this one was tough because I think the easy one is, is Paul Maurice, right? Like. You look at that team and you do, I, but I actually think, I actually think the most impactful is going to be Pete DeBoer in Dallas, which is crazy. Um, but I think it'd be like arrogant of us to sit here and, and say that guy hasn't had success everywhere he goes, right? Like there's always a level. And I'm just saying, I think the, I think there's things that, in Vegas that we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like that team had health issues all year and they, on paper, they were supposed to be like top two team in the NHL. And, and they still are like next year, watch out. They somehow like took on Shea Weber's contract and now we're have the ability to re-sign Riley Smith. So that whole team's still intact, which is crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I think Dallas is going to play a different game than what they played under bones. Right. Like I, I think Rick Bonus is a great coach and he's been around his hockey lifer and he just got a new job in Winnipeg and, and all that. But uh, yeah, I think Dallas is going to be a different team and they got some, I know we were just crapping on Jason Robinson and how, how did that guy get that many heart votes? 
but they got some kids that can fly and they got some really good players. Mira Heiskanen is no joke. The only thing I'm worried about with Pete DeBoer is Jake Ottinger. He's hard on goalies. For some reason, Pete DeBoer hates good goalies and they always somehow either get traded or, you know, something. Right. So that's get That's going to be interesting. And the one that I think I'm, I'm, this one's tough because I, I think I'm least excited. I feel bad for Luke Richardson in Chicago. I think ever going through a rebuild is tough. And I think Luke Richardson is a great coach. Like really if last year, Montreal's head coach, what was his name again? Ducharme had mm-hmm. COVID and he still won the Eastern conference finals or whatever that was in the bubble and got his team to the Stanley cup without their head coach, which is impressive. So I think he's going to be good, but I just think, that Chicago is clearly going in a rebuild. They're trading to brink at probably 60% chance this summer. So yeah, I, that's where I got. So I got most positive DeBoer and um, most negative is probably Richardson. Not because he's a bad coach, just the situation mm-hmm. he just got hired into. No, I think you made a great uh, point about uh, Richardson because like I said, they're probably trading. Looks like they're going to trade to brink at, yeah. um, which is crazy because he's one of the few young and talented players they do have um and so and it also looks like it's starting to become a thing that maybe jonathan taste might be moved this is a transition time and and it's not going to be easy for the fan base and for the team and it's going to be really difficult for him to have any measure of success like what do you what would you even consider a success i mean not like you and i but like in that situation how could you call anything that he's going to do a success in a in a a truly fair term now he might achieve the goals that they're after but it feels really likely that that team is going to be a basement team for the next few years. Yeah, unless like, they pull they, off absolute magic. Are they going to be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes? Is that is that their goal? Like, you're you're moving out your best goal scorer, right? Yeah. Before the year that year, so yeah, there's a high chance that's where they're at, right? Yeah. Um, for me, I am not a divorce stan. That's that's as much as I'm going to expound on that. I'm not I'm not a stan of of Peter Bohr. His track record is not a bad one. No. Uh, however, I'm happy that he's gone to Dallas because, as a as a division you know opponent, I'm happy to see them do poorly. So that works out well for me. <laughs> I'm really interested in, in Paul Maurice in Florida. Yeah. But I think the one I'm the most excited about is Cassidy in Vegas. Because that's you—you you talked about it. That's a team that is was meant to compete this year, and is a really good chance to compete next year coming up. Uh, especially if uh, if their goaltending situation doesn't become an issue for them, you know. Hopefully, you know we're big fans of, of Robin Leonard, and really hope that uh, any trouble that he had this year gets worked out, and and he can come back and have a great year next year. I think that's one of the biggest keys for them. But I think Cassidy is going to be an amazing option for them to, to, to succeed because he's coming in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's a guy who did nothing but win in Boston and then they gave him the boot. Yeah. And so he's got a bit of that chip on the shoulder. And there's one thing that Vegas for the most part has been good about is if you're a winner, they'll, they'll keep you They love you. Yeah. They don't give you a long leash, but I think that I get the, the, the impression that, that he's going to do well there. Not to mention last season was, I, I read this earlier today, the lowest hits that Vegas has had as a franchise. In I mean, we're only going back a couple of years, uh, but under DeBoer, they were much less physical than they had been traditionally. Cassidy is usually a staple of his coaching style. And I think it suits well to the team that they have uh, to play that that way so but would you say that's coaching or would you say that's injuries they also did move out ryan reeves and they changed their whole game style like game like yeah last yeah. season right yeah because pete DeBoer doesn't know what he's doing out there <laughs> pete, pete DeBoer wouldn't recognize talent if it slapped him in the <laughs> face tied him up and just pinned his eyelashes open um <laughs> the guy's gonna ruin auditors it was one of the lone highlights outside of jason robertson i guess in dallas it's gonna ruin that situation guaranteed uh so you know anybody that needs a goaltender be looking forward to that because i mean odds an rfa this year too is it is an rfa yeah yeah the board's gonna get in there first day and be like we don't need him yeah could you imagine i I hear we can grab anti-ranta for two and a half mil for one more year (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, That's I'm excited. Idea. I'm excited for Cassidy. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. I think, I don't know, man. I don't know who the Islanders coach is. Oh, Brad Lambert. At, yeah, Brad Lambert. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about Brad Lambert. But I, I just feel like that's that can't be good. He's coming into a tough sitch, tough yeah. situation there. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like New York was a team that was on the cusp for a couple of years. Looked like they were ready to break out. Uh, I think they got uh, a little bit of uh, they lost their nerve a little bit, and I think that they're about to be a team that could have been great and never was, and you're going to see them falling back, falling back in there. Can I change my pick? Because I also <laughs> forgot. I just have to make sure. I... Hold on. Is that allowed? Or are we allowed to change? Uh, let me just check with the judges. Uh, I'm hearing that that is allowed, yes. Uh, I'm going to butch this guy's name so hard, but I'm excited just for Detroit fans that they no longer have to have Jeff Blashill behind the bench. <sighs> They got Gru back there, man. They got like he's straight from Minions, straight from Despicable Me. What is this, Derek? Uh, I frick, just we're gonna call him Derek. Um, I'm yeah. super jacked for Derek. Um, was in Tampa, looks just like Gru, and I'm super excited for uh, Detroit fans. Steve I'm cautiously Dyer. optimistic. Yeah. Cautiously, I mean, he can't do worse. Oh, got he can't do talent. worse. He can't do worse. Right? No, I'm yeah. I'm excited. So uh, I'm actually going to still stick with Pete DeBoer. I'm just uh, actually excited for Detroit. Maybe that's how I'll phrase that. I'm super I'm super torn on uh, Montgomery going to Boston because he had a couple good years with yeah. us at the Blues, and now he's getting an opportunity. I don't. I think Boston was crazy to let Cassidy go. Yeah. Best of luck to Monty. But what I saw today, which made me chuckle. Is that it looks like we replaced Jim Montgomery yeah. with Craig McTavish. Yeah. Whoa. Where did Not that bad, eh? Stop. I mean, come on. Stop. Come on. Stop. Where did that come from? I didn't Craig know Craig Mac- wa- I didn't know he wanted he, back in the game. I mean, I, he might he might lace him up for us a couple of games this That's year. He still doesn't have, he doesn't have to wear a helmet. He can get out there and skate without a helmet. He's still got some sick flow. Um Yeah. I love that. I love I mean no no just Yes, he, Why? it feels like it feels like such a perfect piece to put in for that team. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, no. I was I was caught off guard when I read that. I was like, "What, Mac T? Keep Harvey the Hound away from him." But yeah, that's crazy. I actually, I actually, uh, I thought Jim Montgomery was probably one of the top coaching free agents out there. I think he did really well in Dallas too until he took mm-hmm. a leave of absence and basically stepped down. Right. Um, yep. The guy wins everywhere he goes. I don't think, I think it's probably more of a, um, a culture shift, maybe a mood shift in, in Boston. Also it brings speculation up maybe Bergeron and, and the core was done with Cassidy. Right. If, if Bergeron's coming back and he must have known who the coach was going to be and all that, and he probably had to say, there's a lot of speculation behind that. So um, good on Jim. I, I, I'm happy for all the coaches. It, it was awesome. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where your favorite coach, Andrew Burnett, does end up because I don't think he's going to stay in Florida. But, yeah, crazy carousel. Yeah. Yeah, I think – you know what would be might make sense for Burnett is – and this is – pulling things out of thin air um bonus just got hired in winnipeg yeah if i'm remember, remember remembering correctly there was talk about him retiring Rick? when he got yeah yeah right like there was it was talk of him he was retiring while he, was, he, he moved on so this is a guy that is an excellent coach going into a, a franchise that is probably going to go into some kind of rebuild or reboot or re-something because they've got a they've got a well sounds like they've got a culture problem in the locker room and they've got a weird mix of talent that they need to deal with yeah um some 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 high ends high end top end talent that is in or coming into their prime um some big paychecks that seem well past it 
and then a whole lot of like what's happening over here. So I think that would be a great, without knowing any of the players that well, without if you bring him into there, again, put him into that assistant role, but then you're basically like mentoring under bonus, bring him along. And you know what, in a couple of years when Winnipeg's figured their stuff out or when another carousel comes around, then, then, then there's another opportunity there where he's had a chance to actually learn the craft and, and train a little bit more and, and practice. Cause that's what it is. Like the guys, this is his first year in coaching at the yeah. pro level period. He was never supposed to be in that, that position, but no, it's quite a, yeah. Um, I do want to just touch to NHL fans really quick too. Um, we always complain about how there's always like this, coaching carousel and there's never any new blood or anything like that. And it's like, it's very highly like scrutinized how like nobody can get in or anything like that. But there was a leak that Kevin Weeks did uh, during the Stanley Cup finals where they said Ryan Huska uh, from the Calgary Flames is going to be Chicago Blackhawks new head coach. And then you start reading all the comments and everybody's like, who, who, no, no, no. Like we need this, this, and this. This is why there's that coaching carousel because fan bases don't want to go into that unknown. They don't want to find that next best gem. They don't want to do that or anything like that. They want proven and they want just like NHL GMs, they want proven and they want them to be, doesn't matter any level of success, some level of success there. Right. And this is what's wrong with it. You, you don't get that new fresh blood. And when you do get that new fresh blood, you see success, right? You see John Cooper, you see Sheldon Keefe, you see these guys who break down and, and they, you know, have some level of success. So I would just like to say when you're starting to hear these young coaches coming up and, oh, even Jay Woodcroft, who just came in this year, there was a, that was highly scrutinized at the time, right? They were like, what the heck are they doing? These guys are, these guys are being, interviewed for a reason not because they're like slouches and they don't know what they're doing they're the next up-and-coming coaches and ryan husk is high on that list he also interviewed for detroit red wings head coaching job so as a fans we should probably take a step back and maybe be okay with the unknown right be mm-hmm. a little bit more okay in the gray area not so like hey this is what we need this is who we got because that uh, doesn't always work out right and it's yep. similar with Andrew Burnett. Um, he did well. Should he be head coach? Probably not. Should, hey, San Jose's looking. He might go be San Jose. But, uh, yeah, that's all I want to say. I just want to say a quick little bit because as fans, we always say, oh, you can never get new guys. You can never do this. But then we criticize our teams for picking new coaches, right? And it's kind of ridiculous. That's all. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the NFL isn't better at it because they recycle their coaches the same way. But yeah. I will say, as somebody who does watch a lot of uh, NFL and who follows that uh, with the same veracity of NHL, what the media does a really great job of in the NFL is talking about the assistants and how and like building them up. So yeah. going into the off season, you have an idea as a fan that if you have a head coaching availability of which assistants around the league are considered top quality and so you come into the off season basically knowing that these guys have credentials that are respected and you may have a preference for what you want in your team but i feel like in the nhl you don't see that nearly as much you don't know about this you don't hear about how um you know oh this guy is a great assistant coach he takes care of all of this you just don't see that stuff the same way in my opinion in the nhl uh and so i think that the media could do a better job of Maybe bringing that up and focusing that so that the average fan uh, has an idea of the fact that like, they use this term in, in, in the NFL as like a, a head coaching prospect, because that's what that's what the, the coaching kind of really should be is that kind of funnel. And there are some people that will always just be coordinators and always be assistant coaches because they don't have that skill set or they don't want to build it the same way there's always going to be fourth line players that might have a longer career than a star because they just do their job. They know their job. They don't go beyond that. But yeah, I think I would love to see a little bit more of that information out there and, and, and pushed in, in hockey media a little bit more, a little more in the the normal conversation. Yeah. I think you touched on some great points too, is I don't think in the NHL, you don't really hear about the candidates that are being interviewed as you do in the NFL or even the NBA, right? Like if you, Mm -hmm. Those, those get leaked like day one. Hey, they want to talk to this guy, this guy, and this guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody even knew who Detroit was interviewing until they hired, yeah. right? Nobody knew who uh, 
Um, Winnipeg was interviewing until they hired Bones, and that came out of left field. Nobody even thought it. Like a couple of people thought yeah. I was talking. So the openness builds a sport, right? Just like contracts and negotiations and all that, where you hear leaked numbers and all that, it builds it. It gets people involved. It gets you closer to your fan base and it lets you know, the, like you said, head coaching prospects. There's tons of them. And sometimes franchises are scared to do it, but it's going to work out for Edmonton most likely. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to see how it is in Detroit. We're going to see Luke Richardson in Chicago, even though I think that's a really tough job ahead of him. So yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, phrasing and putting it out there and, you know, showing what these guys do because it's not all, it's not all the head coach. It's not right. Like they talk to the press, they talk to you, but behind the scenes, the assistants have huge jobs and, and they do a great job. Yeah. A, a big part of like building out the systems and teaching the systems and connecting with the players on a, a more direct level where the head coaches are usually more high level. And yeah. And the last little bit that I want to add to this was a really fun stat that I saw earlier today. And I think I shared it with you directly uh, in our, in our private chat was that uh, Sheldon Keefe with one full year behind the bench is now the eighth longest tenured coach in the NHL, which is wild. Absolutely wild to think uh, that less than, what's that? Less than a third of the league. Almost, almost a quarter of the league has a only a quarter of the league has a coach that's been them longer than a year. Well, I think Sheldon. Well, Sheldon Keith in Toronto has been there for three, right? He was, was there three. All I thought it was one. Oh, that's it. That's why it was. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense because it was yeah. one full season. But they were they yeah. do yeah yeah. So you're Clever right. Like it's one full. Yeah, it's one full season. But he was there. Yeah. He took over. I mean, in the same way that. that in the same way that we agree that Tampa's titles don't really count for those two years, I'm not his coaching, yeah. his coaching years don't really count. Yeah. I guess that, that, that just stacks in your favor, right? It's just adding more bullets to your chamber, right? Like, wow. you're, you're really. I mean, we all fun. recognize that those two years, we don't really count them moving forward. Like yeah. history books are, are, are written. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Uh, I guess we have to talk about this. I'm not excited about it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to be too much of a downer. Uh, but the draft, the NHL draft is coming out. A lot of people are excited about this. I guess as somebody whose team is basically there and set, we aren't going to draft high and we're not going to get any big impactful players. And we're probably not going to make any big swings on trade day or draft day. I'm just kind of like, man, but uh as a team that's probably soon going to need some top-end talent, are, you're excited about the draft. It's, it's coming up soon, right? I don't think I've ever been more nervous for like a week of off-season than I am, <laughs> especially this week going up to the draft. Just because, you know, as a Flames fan, if there are any more Flames fans listening to this, is it's when the Calgary Flames kind of want to know an answer with Johnny Joe. But um, we'll get to, into that maybe another time or later. But I am excited to see what uh, Montreal does. They are crazy about trying to get first and second overall pick. It's in Montreal. It's back to a live draft where everybody's there. Um, usually there's some trades. It, like, And for some reason, I, don't know if, I know you're a little bit down on it, but this offseason, there's a lot of chatter. Like There's a lot of rumors. Like, uh, like we just saw McDonough get traded um, today for basically nothing, which was crazy. Um, we saw Kevin Fiala who started this podcast. Basically our first episode was about Kevin Fiala got traded and got paid last week. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot of rumblings and a lot of that. I'm really interested to see what Montreal does. Are they going for a quick rebuild? Are they going to take the long road? What are they going to do? They have a lot of picks. Um, LA is still a team to watch Nashville. So we'll see. I'm excited. I'll probably watch it. Um, for Calgary, uh, I'm not very excited because they have three picks. Like, that's going to be pretty boring. I can basically, like, do a fun activity in, be- in between each pick, right? Like, <laughs> climb three different mountains in between and still make it back. So, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, the draft's always entertaining. There's always tons of rumblings. There's always tons of rumors. And, um, like Kevin Week said, the goalie market's starting to heat up. We're going to see Gorgiev move from New York before they qualify him, or are they even going to qualify him? There's a lot of like interesting t- like tidbits that are happening right now, and um, get ready, buckle up, because I think it's going to be crazy. I'm no insider, yeah. by see, the way. 
<laughs> See that? I think I'm I'm super stoked for free agency because I think there's so oh. many moving parts. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this before the podcast. I said right now there's just so much speculation because uh, we haven't even gotten to the free agency period yet. And so there's there's tons of players that by all rights should not make it to being free agents. Right. Uh, and so until they are, or until we're like on free agent Eve and they're not signed yet, I feel like a pretty silly, like it'd be silly for us to speculate on who would be most beneficial to sign uh, Evgeny Malkin. Mm-hmm. It, it's a po- it's possible that he becomes a free agent signed outside of Pittsburgh, yeah. but it seems really, really unlikely. Yeah. It's there's see, there's a lot but, of those players like Philip Forsberg, like two weeks ago, we were like, that deal's not getting done. And then all of a sudden we're about 12 days out. They're like, Oh, they're only a million dollars apart. And we still have almost two weeks. That's a yeah. lot of time. Like I get what you're saying. The only one that isn't being rumored on is Johnny. Trillin, so. Well, that's, that's why I can't get excited <laughs> about the draft because the draft outside of the first round, the players are like on average, like only a third of them will ever even play any significant NHL time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even amongst those first round players, many of them will never really be an impact or superstar player. Yeah. I think the, the draft has its place, but to me, I don't just don't get excited about it unless my team has a top five pick and is desperate, Yeah. which we have in the blues have been in the past years. You know, I've been part of that, but like right now I'm just like, who cares? Like if even amongst the draft, the guys that are available, like, uh, they, they look like they're going to be impact players eventually, but yeah, there's no this Austin is, this Matthews. There's yeah, no Connor is, McDavid. Exactly. It's Shane Wright, right? And even um, like Matthew Soy, uh, Soy V, he, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's going to be an interesting pick and he'll probably fall because he's a smaller player. But yeah, there's no huge, you know, prospect that's yeah. out there. They don't even know who like the consensus number one is, not even close, right? So, yeah. um, Am I excited for the prospects? No, I'm excited for the the rumblings. I'm excited for the yeah. movement. That's what I'm excited for. Um, the draft is going to be the draft, and we probably won't see a couple of these players for two, three years, right? So, um, but it's yeah. the rumblings I'm excited for. What's Edmonton going to do? Mike Smith ch- or, uh, said recently that he's going to go into LTIR. So Edmonton needs a goalie. They have zero goalies. Like it's about to get really interesting, and I, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'll free to see. I can't wait. I'm all in for um, the blues are from, from a, my personal perspective, the blues are basically looking like they're bringing most of the team back next year. But uh, you know, Billy uh, Huso is a UFA. Um, he's going to get paid. He, he's going to get paid. The blues kind of want him back, but he, there's, he's probably going to get paid. Oh, yeah. uh, you've got uh, David Perron who the blues want to bring back and he wants to come back, but we still have only, x amount of cap room and then even like thinking about it one of the things that doug armstrong is great at is building for now and the future and we've got some guys like uh ryan o'reilly and vladdy that are going into the final year of their contracts and both coming off fantastic years and vladdy apparently rumors have that he's recently told teammates that he has no interest in going anywhere anymore and so that for blues is, is probably for the best he's had an amazing year and, and we can run it back next year. Uh, but you can never discount Doug Armstrong pulling a big sweeping move that, that shocks you. And it, it is crazy. Um, and so the free agency period is going to be exciting to see if anything goes on there. Plus, like we said, we've got guys like Forsberg could be a free agent. Malkin could be a free agent. Um, who are the others? It's like Latang, Huso, Latang, Campbell, Niederreiter, uh, Tony D'Angelo is an RFA. Uh, who's being shopped? Who's being, well, that and that brings me. I will talk about Fredder. We don't. We don't have time today, but like, man, Carolina has Trocheck's a UFA. Uh, Niederreiter, I think, is a UFA. Um, uh, Ethan Bear and D'Angelo are RFAs. They've got some considerable players that are, it looks like they're not bringing them back or yeah. at the very least they're going to play hardball with them. Now we were in the same spot last summer and it looked like they were messing it all up and they put together something really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to, to say that they're screwing it up or no. that they're letting these pieces go, but it is surprising to see all these pieces that 
and a lot of them felt like good value picks and, and contributing players uh, that they're that they're playing hardball with or really let go. Yeah, I think a guy like Nino Niederreiter, I think kind of still has never quite hit his potential, at least not in their system. And so I, I understand walking away, yeah. but like, yeah. I still think Caroline is really interesting for all those reasons you just said. Even Martin Neckes, who they are reportedly moving, which is crazy. So that's like some really big players. They're like, okay, with like either walking into UFA or they're like, hey, go talk to another team. You're an RFA. We don't want to sign you for that dollar figure, which is like fascinating because they nailed it last summer after everybody crapped on them. Calgary Flames, very interesting. Yeah, who knows? That's... And there's nothing even to speculate. There's nothing to speculate because there's been nothing leaked. Um, New Jersey Devils, they are big game shopping. They were all on. I mean, not all on. They were all after Kevin Fiala. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) I hope they weren't on them. But uh, (laughs) teach their own. Teach their own. What is Toronto going to do with their uh, goaltending situation? Um, but yeah, you got I, Tor- yeah, it's crazy. You got Toronto and Edmonton; they're both there, but right now basically have no goaltending. Like, yeah, like let not me, even. Let like, me ask you this: not even like no goaltending, like nobody playing goal exactly. for them as of today, and both of them are there with even a half decent goalie. Ask yeah, me a question. Let me ask you this: you just watched Colorado Avalanche lose four times. They played a backup how many times? I can't remember. I think it was four four games or it was only three, something like that. Yeah. It was oh, it was all it was the majority of Edmonton series. Did he play in St. Louis? I can't remember. No. I don't think he played. Think he so. might have made a come in, but for a game. Yeah. I don't think he played. So started. you just watched a top heavy team, which you've been trying to do for years, win with a mediocre goalie. No disrespect to Darcy Kemper. He's a solid His play goalie. was mediocre. Yeah, he's he, a solid goaltender. This play with yeah, you. You're, you're yeah. spot on. So, why not go get? Why not resign Campbell? It's not like he's gonna like. There's nobody better than him, but he's a mediocre goalie who clearly can do the job. Yep. And Edmonton, I don't think he, like they're all so worried about the goalie. And for years, the scapegoats in both organizations have been goalie, 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 goalie. Edmonton, no, your scapegoat should be you're signing Zach Cassian's an overpayment. You went and got Duncan Keith. You are wanting to trade a four checking hound and Jesse Pulley who hasn't even like hit the, you know, threshold to, for what he could be, but you're making it all about the goalie. Mike Smith was not the problem in the playoffs. And I think you could say that too. I said it. Do, do I think Mike Smith made mistakes? Yes. I think Mike Smith made mistakes. Um, especially in the game that cost him, but it wasn't like, like that's besides the point, but Mike Smith was amazing against Calgary. He was okay. After he got lit up against the LA Kings and he was, he was mediocre against Colorado, but um, the problem was not that your defense is terrible. Your bottom six is terrible and you got to fix that, but yeah, let's make it about the goalies, but you can win with a mediocre goalie. You totally can. So yeah, I don't know. Those teams are going to be fascinating. Connor Hellebuck's name's been up in the air. Like that, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think you're spot on. I think uh, Toronto, uh, Toronto really only needs like a five million dollar goaltender. Which, like Jack Campbell, I think is a four and a half five million dollar goaltender. Really, Huso is probably, if you were really being safe, you would say a three and a half to four million goaltender. But people are desperate enough; he'll probably get four and a half to five. Gorgiev is a guy that uh, I mean. If he was a UFA, if he was a UFA, UFA, he'd get he'd get a five to six easy. New York is playing a really weird game with him because apparently the ask for that is pretty high. Yeah. But I I suspect that if somebody offer sheeted him for four and a half five that they couldn't match or wouldn't match, and the payout wouldn't be as good as what they're asking for. So maybe they're just playing a little game of chicken. But they, at this point, they probably be in the best interest to move him for anything that they can get that's reasonable or let, or or just let him get off or shoot it but and i don't want to get into a rambling match because we're like towards the end of the episode we go for a little bit but i do want to just sit like leave this little tidbit too is jack campbell's asking for cal peterson money which is i think yeah it's three years at five million dollars a year that doesn't seem crazy to me 
Toronto is ridiculous for not having paid that, unless they have something else in the pipeline. I like, think, but something that's guaranteed. I think it's Jack Campbell. So, I think you're going to see Jack Campbell in Edmonton and Billy Huso in Toronto. I, I, and I'd wish Billy nothing but the best, but I think that I don't think he's a better. Based on what I've seen, I don't think he's a better goaltender than Jack Campbell. And I mean, Jack Campbell's played wonderful for them. Yeah. yeah. I think what they needed is a better backup situation and a better goaltending pipeline, which you can send, handle through drafting and, and you know, developing talent. But, but, but they just had that. Not... They just let Frederick Anderson walk and blame no, him agree. for everything. And they had Jack Campbell as a backup, as a 1B. Yeah. That was the yeah. perfect goaltending situation. It was still their fault. And now they're going to about to lose Jack Campbell too. But this is what I mean where I'm like, I'm excited for the next two weeks. The next two weeks is going to be a lot of interesting hockey and a yeah. lot of interesting like teams that, that like they're going to do the shift and all that. So yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And uh, man, we didn't even get to talk about the fact that for the call or for, for, for Calgary flames, there's a, there's an equal chance that either everyone is back next year or you lose two or three of your top impact players. And if that happens, then probably your general manager should go with them. So there, you guys could either be like running it back and contending or a complete reset. But I mean, we're probably out of time. You don't want to talk about that right now. No, let's talk about it. We got, we got a few minutes here. Um, if there was ever a team, and I think you agree with this too, if there was ever a team in the offseason that you needed to watch the most that have star players that have not been handled correctly and asset management that hasn't been handled correctly, you're looking at the Calgary Flames this year. It's very reminiscent of uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets with uh, Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, and they just were like, hey, we're going to use them as our own rentals and we're going to roll with it. We're just going to go for it. But they they told themselves there's a high chance that none of these guys are staying and none of them stayed and they were ready for the rebuild. They burned a lot of draft picks and all that. Um, the only thing that's, and, and to me, that rebuild's going to be painful. They also lost Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that's why I say it's so similar because you're about to see that with Johnny Goudreau. You had a team that his first contract negotiations, Bradshaw Living played hardball. He's an RFA. Bradshaw Living plays hardball with every RFA. Look at Manjapan. He's had to prove it a couple of years now. And he's now an RFA who's very close to UFA status. And his agent wants a short-term deal. So you're about to have Johnny Gaudreau walk into UFA, which is crazy. You don't see players like a, that put up 115 points walk into UFA because they usually never make UFA. Those are your most valuable players. Those are the players that you drafted, you developed, you put the time in the coaching and gave them the leash, right? Those are the cornerstone players and you're about to just let him walk. You're not getting anything back. And after watching what he did with like what flames management did with Jerome McGinley, you thought that this organization would have learned. No, no, no. They did not learn. You're about to lose. You basically got nothing for Jerome McGinley, but you're about to get nothing for Johnny Goudreau, like nothing for a player that you took late in the draft developed rode with him all those years that people doubted him and all that. And now he's about to go and he can do whatever he wants. He's earned this right. Right. Like, let's not forget that. But as a team, and this is where teams like Tampa Bay do this so well, Ryan McDonough right now is a huge piece in that decor. And they realize he's getting up in age and they need cap space and they moved him. right now on paper. Does that look great? No, but in a few years when they have that money off the books, they did their job. Right. And they can keep this thing going. Bratcher living, should 100% lose his job if Johnny Gaudreau goes. And here's why. Like I said, with Columbus, when Panarin left and Duchesne left and Bobrovsky left, who was the next guy that asked for a trade? Your, your man, Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? Now he's also has to trade for Winnipeg, which is crazy, but still, it might just be him. But... Matthew Kachuk is right there. He's he's not been shy to say that he wants to go to play in St. Louis. He hasn't been. That's been out there forever, right? Mm-hmm. And he's right there. If Johnny Gaudreau walks, he only has to sign his qualifying offer, and he's a UFA next year, and he can sign anywhere he wants. And that's where you're going to see at this draft. And when you were talking about the draft, are you are you interested? Yes, because I think, and I'm not saying it's for certain, and there is speculation, does Bradshaw Living entertain maybe moving Matthew Kachuk if Johnny Gaudreau is going to walk? Do you take, like, this is going to be the highest reward. He just, 
He just hit 100 points. He just rode on Johnny Gaudreau's coattails he, and Elias Lindholm's coattails. And do you embrace the rebuild? Elliot Friedman reported the other day that, no, they're going to stay patient and look after everything. And that's probably better than what I would do because I'd be freaking out like, holy cow, Johnny Gaudreau just left us and now we got nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But you ask the question is, should Brad Living be fired? You asked it before off air too. Yeah, he should be fired. I, I, your whole job as sportsman, like as a sports manager, is asset management, and your players are your assets. That means you need to take care of them when they're hurt, which he has not done with Sean Monahan. He's basically destroyed Sean Monahan. It's on the coaching staff and everything, buddy, too, right? And training staff and all that. Two hip surgeries, all that warrior mentality. We can get into another time. You're about to let Johnny Gaudreau walk. You let TJ Brody walk. You let Mark Giordano get, uh, you know, taken by St. Louis. I mean, not St. Louis, Seattle in the expansion draft. Who then got flipped for a few picks to, uh, from Toronto. You've got nothing for your core of the last six years. Sean Monahan's about to be moved out as a cap dump, who is a, a 30 goal scorer score every year. If we're talking asset management, he has failed across the board, right? Across the board. I'm not saying he can't put together a good team this last year and hiring Daryl Sutter, who I don't even think was his option. I think that was the owners, right? Being like, Hey, we're tired of these coaches. Go get us Daryl. We know who he is. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating to me how this man still has a job. And I get it. The offer right now is eight years at nine and a half, which I thought was like, a little low of what I thought Johnny was going to get, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating to, to, to watch as a Calgary Flames fan. That's, that's to say the least. Yeah. Well said. And that's, you said it up well, you said it all well is that the reason that they're in this situation right now is because he hasn't handled the assets well until now. So Johnny's going to be a UFA or it looks like he's going to be a UFA because they never bothered to lock him up long-term and recognize him for what he was to them. And his talent. And again, the same Matthew Kachuk is a pending RFA who should be a, both these guys cornerstone pieces for the franchise. And that's when you look around the league and you look at successful teams, they, one of the things you can often point to is that it's not that they don't make hard decisions like moving out of Ryan McDonough or, uh, you know, moving out players that, that player that, that fans love it's that they treat them well while they're there. And if they have to let them go or move them, they do so, but they do it openly and they, 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 get, they get it done, you know, and just always playing hardball with players, always trying to squeeze out a few hundred thousand or trying to get it as cheap as possible. That may work for a short time in terms of, you know, keeping owners happy because you're hitting budgets, but eventually the owners want the fans to enjoy the product because there's a financial you know, benefit to that. Not because they actually know us as human beings or care about us, but that's just it. Like that he's, he's had cornerstone pieces that you either treat them well, or you maximize the return. Fans forget that you traded a star player. If you get a bunch of amazing assets back and you succeed because of it. Yeah. You know, blues fans, they let, we let our captain in Petro go after winning the cup. But for the most part, we moved on from that because the Blues brought in like Krug and, and brought in like, uh, what's his name? I can't stand him, but uh, he's good. He's, he's pretty, had his best year professionally with us this past season on defensive end. Uh, I'm blanking right now. They brought him in? Yeah, from uh, Carolina. It's really embarrassing that I can't think oh, of Oh, oh, uh, um. Oh crap! He's the offensive defense. Well, he was supposedly an offensive defenseman. What's his yeah. freaking name? They paid stupid, him. Stupid mustache goatee. Yeah. yeah, but that's it. Like the the Blues managed to bring in high end pieces and and kind of help the fans move on from that. So you can Justin you can let Falk. Yes. Yeah. You can let star players go. You can move them out. You can let them walk. But you have to do something about it. And there are unfortunately GMs and it seems like Brad true is one of them who, you know, he can build a good team, like you said, but he can't keep a good team. And that's really just as important as building. It's, it's equal parts. You have to keep a good team. You can't just say, look at all this wonderful draft talent that we have 
and then watch them win championships with other teams and not expect to lose your job over that. So. And I do want to say this too. Uh, TJ Brody was one of them. Um, Johnny Goudreau's won this year. Matthew Kachuk will be one next year, which is, there's a really good chance. Um, when you become a UFA, you've earned that right. Mm-hmm. Right. That you can choose wherever yep. you go. There's, you can, Hey, I have no hard feelings. If Johnny Goudreau wants to stay home in Philadelphia or New Jersey, right. If he wants to sign there, my hard feelings are not with Johnny Goudreau. Our feelings are with or, the organization and management for not yep. keep, you know, keep locking up your, your star player last off season. But uh, yeah, that's the, I just wanted to make sure I made that clear too, is when you're a UFA, you have every right. You finally in your whole sports career can decide where you want to go. Yep. And the Calgary flames have let it get to this point and they lowballed Johnny Gaudreau last year. I think it was a crazy why I can't even remember the number. Pat Steinberg was rumoring it. It was, I think, like six point five or seven million for Johnny, and I was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't accept that either. I'd bet on myself too." And now yep. he's earned the right, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. Yep, and that's it. And it's a gamble that you take. Um, you know, I'm not saying that anybody would make that chance, but it, you know, it's 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 a gamble, and it looks like is a good chance of blowing up in Bradshaw Living's face, who, let's be clear, I don't want him fired. I have no stake in the game, and I don't know him personally, so I don't want him to be fired. But I'm just saying that if this is the result of the job, I agree with you wholeheartedly that uh, he he's he needs to have the keys taken away. Yeah. So, And, you know, let's be honest. There are far worse things in life than being let go from a high-paid hockey position where you still get a big payout and you just get to go relax at one of your several country homes and just think about how much you'd like to do it and then you get another job somewhere else and you get paid to just sit around and hang out with your buddies so i'm sure he'll be fine oh yeah he won't be wanting for he's only got, he he's might only not got be what he's only got one year left on his deal anyways he doesn't care oh <laughs> he's 100 percent just he's setting up his next role already yeah 100 <laughs> Oh my goodness, gang! Thank you very much for those of you that stuck with us till the very end. Good episode to get back. I feel feel ready for this. Uh, I think we're probably going to see a little bit of draft coverage this week, uh, at least online. A little bit of uh, tweet action. I'll be by myself doing it live, most likely, which is okay if it's interesting. I'm only the first round. Do not expect the second or third or fourth or fifth. The first rounds where all the juicy stuff happens. And it's probably going to be uh, highly entertaining. So uh, I would show up. Yep. At our YouTube. I think y'all at, should. Uh, Mitts and Twigs on uh, YouTube. On the YouTube, you'll find us at Mitts and Twigs. You can find us at Headpucks uh, on uh, Twitter. You can find me at uh, Mitts Takes on Twitter as well. Uh, you know, you can find Ty on Twitter. I don't want to give away your Twitter handle because it's your personal, <laughs> yeah, that's personal right. handle. And also, I do not remember it, uh, but you know, it's easy enough to find if you find yeah. mistakes and uh, and headspark. Uh, but gang, thank you so much. Don't forget to do all the things like subscribe. It means the world to us when you do. Don't be afraid as well to just openly declare yourself as either a twiglet or a midhead. Uh, I think that, that we are in a place in our world where you just be whoever you want to be and express yourself as that. So if you feel deep down inside that you yourself are a midhead, let the world know, let me know, I'll appreciate it. And if by some chance, some weird chance that you're a twiglet, that's fine too. That's okay. You should share that. Twiglets. With that, with that, for my man Twigs, for myself, Mitz, thank you all so much. Enjoy yourselves and uh, may the odds be ever in your favor of this upcoming draft. Thanks, guys. Peace.